Hello, Nathan. Hello, mate. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And this week we are talking about two movies, aren't we, Nathan? Yes, we are talking about two movies. But not completely separate. No, two very similar movies, as you would have told by the title of this podcast. Oh, oh. What's the title of the podcast? No, it's probably going to be We Need to Talk About Infernal Affairs and The Departed. Podcast. Yeah. So Infernal Affairs, <laughs> Infernal Affairs, 2002 Hong Kong film, directed by Andrew Lau and Alan Mack, and written by Alan Mack and Felix Chong, starring Andy Lau, Tony Leong, and Eric Chang. And The Departed is Martin Scorsese movie, Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson, amongst others. And written by William Monaghan. Based on Internal Affairs by Alan Mack and Felix Chong. So, yeah, I just came across... Well, I didn't come across... I knew the film. I'd never seen it. And I saw it on Netflix. So I was like, Naif, let's watch Internal Affairs. Infernal Affairs. Oh, I keep calling it Internal Affairs. So I said, Naif, let's watch Infernal Affairs, didn't you I, You did Naif? say that. You did say, Naif... Let's watch Infernal Affairs, just like that. Yeah, well, I just, I sort of sat and watched it last Saturday, and then you watched it, and then you said, I want to watch The Departed now. And I said, well, let's just watch The Departed. Let's do it about both. And we did. We did, and we are. And now, here we are. (laughs) We're doing them at the same time. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into that. Yeah. You seen any other films this week, Nave? Mate, I really haven't. No. I really haven't, no. You know, I wanted to. Um, not I did not that I had something in mind, but I just didn't get round to it. How about yourself, mate? Have you watched any other films this week? Yeah, I've watched Infernal Affairs two, right, and half of Infernal Affairs three, right. After watching this, I got caught up in, swept up in the story, and I've also watched First Man with Ryan Gosling. Ooh. Really good. I think I have seen it. You know, it's all about Neil Armstrong. Am I right in saying no? No. I'm thinking of Apollo 13. Yeah, no, no, it's not Apollo 13. No. It's First Man. It's really good. It's um, directed by Damien Chazelle. Now, I didn't know the name, and I thought, who is that guy then? Has he done anything else? And he has. He's directed Whiplash. Have you ever seen Whiplash? I don't think I have seen it, no. I'd love to do that at some point, all about um, a drummer. I think, yes, you did tell me about this when you watched it, I think, actually. Yeah, it's one of those films I had for ages and never got around to watching. And then when I watched it, I ended up watching it twice in the same week because it's that good. But this uh, Damien Chazelle, he's also gone on to win the Academy Award for Best Director. Youngest person ever to win it at 32. For La La Land, which I haven't seen. But now I'm sort of intrigued to watch that because i've seen two of his films that i really like so i actually i'm going to be completely honest with you mm-hmm. i own and quite enjoyed la la land yeah yeah well i might have to have a look because i know my wife wanted to watch it and then she didn't like it so for her not to like a musical there's probably something in it that i'll end up liking <laughs> 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 you know it's probably more like a film this... <laughs> than some shit musical yeah. Oh, no, uh, uh, not all musicals are shit, I'm sure. Go on. Blue right. Brothers was all right. G- yeah, other than Blue Brothers, <laughs> give me a good one. Uh, Just off the top of your head. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. That's all right. 
bearable fun yeah no i tell you that i do like oh what's the one with princess leia's mum in it um princess leia's mum really famous one singing in the rain right singing in the rain yeah that's a good one except for the end bit i didn't like the end there's like a 20 minute dance sequence at the end that just has no relevance whatsoever to the rest of the film i didn't like that bit I'm starting to get the impression that you're not mad keen on uh, musicals, though. Musicals? I've never watched them, really, you know. They're not my leap-to sort of genre. No. I always find it weird when people break into song throughout a film. Ah, what did I watch? Something that was a musical, but it wasn't... I've only watched it recently as well. I mean... Disney films are regularly musicals, aren't they? Yeah, and it's like me and my boys will sit and watch a Disney film. We'll have a family day, and as soon as the the musical, the singing starts, me and all my boys go, it's like, oh, God. Oh, here they go, singing. Yeah. Musical film. Ah, what was it? It was a film called All That Jazz. Starred Roy Scheider out of Jaws. Yeah. And directed by Bob Foss, who done Cabaret. Right. And I only watched this film because I'd heard of it and I'd never really thought anything about it. I didn't really realise Roy Scheider was in there. But I read a list of David Fincher's top 30 films or 20 films. And high up his list was this all that jazz. And I thought, well, I'll watch it. And it's a musical. Roy Schneider plays this musical director yep. based heavily on Bob Foss, the director and writer. Um, but it was really, really fantastic. I really enjoyed it. It was great editing, really fast paced. And he's sort of really quite, he's burning the candle from every end, basically, Roy Schneider's character. But it turns out at the end, he has a heart, heart surgery. And the end, there's a big musical scene, which seemed to go on and on. And I was like, I, I didn't like that bit. But for days after, all I kept thinking about was that musical number. And since then, I've actually got it on my YouTube. I watch it like once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Just that musical number. Fantastic. Well. So, yeah, I do like musicals sometimes. But only when they're good. Yeah, it's just a really interesting film. Really quite enjoyed it. I wasn't going to get on this discussion. I was going to talk about foreign films. You've seen any many foreign films? Obviously, we're watching Infernal Affairs. I watched the uh, the Ip Man films. The Ip Man. All right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, do you know what? I actually really enjoyed them. They're, it's a very different style of cinema. Yeah. And... Um, was that like an Asian one as well? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's it's heavily subtitled and there are some, you know, there are some strong actors, some strong English-speaking actors. Mike Tyson, uh, you know, plays a, plays a role in it. But they're very... They're very martial arty. I mean, I, Ip Man or Master Ip is the guy that supposedly, or, or he, he's, they're portraying the guy that taught Bruce Lee Kung Fu. Ah, right, I see. And um, sort of he's got 
sort of an elaborate rich history whether you know I, I think a lot of it is enriched for cinema you know but they make good watching they're enjoyable films yeah. and um i forget the name of the actor donnie yen donnie obviously yen. he's he's quite famous for his uh his martial arts films but yeah he he does it brilliantly and he play yeah he plays the character really well and there are very strong sort of moody sequences within the films that they really do make you feel and and sort of drive emotion out of you like you know the way they're made they're very modern sort of looking but they're very clever i think in the way that they're sort of they draw the mood out of you whilst you're watching it i think i, I don't know i mean you'd, you'd have to watch it to sort i'd have to watch one of them again to sort of explain it i never really watched a lot of martial arts films i think they're definitely like marmite aren't they you know what i mean but i think uh the ip man i think the ip man films sort of stand alone a little bit I don't think they're like the... Because I always remember Kung Fu films being a little bit cheesy, a little bit too cheesy. Yeah. There's still that element of classic Kung Fu film cheese about them, but I think they're really nice films. I think I quite enjoyed them. I'd watch them again. Mm. I um, I have watched a fair few foreign films. Huh? It's not. I quite enjoy... But I was listing them as I was sort of thinking of them. And they got a sort of range from... Yeah. German war films. Uh, Stalingrad was a good one. Yeah. All about the Battle of Stalingrad. Um, obviously, Downfall, all about Hitler's last days in the bunker. Really good. Oh, there was All, all Quiet on the Western Front, which is a German war film, which was, I tell you what, this is a just a brilliant war film as well. I think I'd like to look at this one with you one day because I do love a war film. And All Quiet on the Western Front, I think was like, Made, but well, it's made before the Second World War. So when the Second World War was on, it, this film was banned because it basically it tells the story of all German soldiers going over to fight in the First World War, all believing all the camaraderie and you know all the propaganda, and it's all yeah. about them going out to fight with their friends, and then being thrown into this just this horrendous war. So it's the first sort of anti-war film. It's so well made for the year that it was made. Yeah, 1930 the film was made. But there's some really harrowing scenes in there. And scenes where you watch any sort of Vietnam film and there's there's scenes in there that was originally from this. I I always remember one scene in particular is where there's a soldier, young lad, they've gotten over into no man's land and they're fighting and he jumps into this hole. And he's sort of hiding in there. And then another, the enemy, so whether it's French or English, I don't know, but he jumps into the hole with him. Yeah. They sort of have a struggle and then he stabs him. But he doesn't just die. And he's just sort of in this hole with this bloke dying next to him for like all night. And it's just really harrowing, really quite a fright, quite a disturbing film, but really well made. Oh, well. Apart from that, there's like a lot of odd sort of films I don't know how I watch them. Like some nights I put on the telly and a, a, a film will start and I think, oh, this looks good. And then it turns out it's a foreign film and I just sit and watch it. And there's one about a train driver who was retiring. And it sounds like it's going to be, you know, not a great story, but it's just really, really great sort of comedy. Yeah. I can't remember much more than that. Yeah, there's, 
it's definitely something about watching a foreign film and they you know there is that culture difference the cultural difference isn't there like watching infernal affairs there is so many bits where it's really good and then other bits where you're just sort of like it's a bit jarring how it's filmed or edited different styles isn't it and then you think oh yeah now i'm watching i feel like i'm watching a foreign film again you sort of forget and then you do you know what i mean yeah there was definitely so there's a start there was a couple of scenes where the camera was held on a distinct angle yeah but it was still at the level of a person looking at another person but it was just held on an angle to give another sort of depth to the shot whereas most hollywood sort of films doing that these days the camera would if they're going to go for a different angle it would be up high or down low they wouldn't just sort of twist the camera it's sort of uh yeah you know it's not something you see so much in modern cinema yeah there was a few shots where it's like it fades in and out or it'll cut to a wide shot where everyone is stood completely still. Yeah. It's done that a few times. And I think it's like, it's quite effective, but I thought, Oh, that's quite interesting. It sort of takes a stand back. It might be outdated. They might not do that anymore. Cause I mean, this was 2002. You know what? I still, still consider 2002 to be quite modern. I know. It's, <laughs> it's not, is it? It's like 20 years ago. I know. It's strange. I don't think a lot of a lot has changed in how you know if you watch a film from the eighties or even some films from the nineties, they feel old now, don't they? Yeah. Whereas if you watch a film from two thousand and two, you know they still feel like modern, don't they? Yeah, I or mean, is that just to us because we're old? Our kids might disagree. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, should we get on to this? We've got two films to discuss. So let's start with Infernal Affairs, shall we? Yep. So if you haven't seen Infernal Affairs or The Departed, it's basically the... It's a great premise, isn't it? The Mafia have put a mole into the police and the police have put a mole into the Mafia and they're sort of both trying to sniff each other out it's a great idea. So it's not the mafia over there anyway. It's the triads, isn't it, in Hong Kong? Yep. So from the, the beginning of the Infernal Affairs, it starts and it's just like a five-minute sort of montage, isn't it, of them going through the motions, getting sworn into the gang and sworn into the police force and then the, they kick one chap out of the police force and he's got to go undercover, but they've got to make it look effective. And it's like literally... Everything is explained in five minutes and then it cuts to modern times, doesn't it? Yeah. And the story just sort of kicks off straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, it launches you right into the action. And the thing is, is they're, they're basically essentially the same. Both films are the same storyline. Infernal Affairs manages to tell the story. And I don't think there's anything missing with it, but it manages to do it in nearly an hour less. Oh, exactly, yeah. An hour and a half, this film is tight, isn't it? Yeah. But there's some scenes... I mean, it, it is basically going to be us comparing the two. We're not... We shouldn't, but we are. You can't help it, can you? But they're both great films. But what I found with watching in, The Infernal Affairs, it's, a, it's half an hour... It's like an hour and a half, so everything's really tight and compact. Nothing's there that doesn't really need to be. But at the same time, there's scenes in it that seem to be lengthier, drawn out more, 
the suspense in this film I thought was absolutely incredible. Like the this the scene where they're doing the deal with the the ties, and you've got the uh, the undercover cop tapping the glass, yeah, and sort of contacting them through Morse code, and then you've got the the triad at the cop station, sort of working out right who's talking, how are they communicating, but it's such a tense scene doesn't have the same effect in the American version. It's the scene where Matt Damon's texting in his pocket. Yes. It seems yeah. to be more the it's... violence in the Scorsese version than the tension. And the also the, I mean, the, the title, Infernal Affairs, sort of refers to, well, and it states it at the beginning, doesn't it? Perpetual suffering. It's basically they're stuck where they don't want to be, especially the policeman. And you feel that plight, don't you? You feel his struggle to be there more so. I don't want to, I not, don't want to be sounding like I'm slagging the Scorsese film off because the Scorsese film is still brilliant. It is a great film, but it just, Infernal Affairs, I think, I think it's more psychological. Yeah, the Scorsese film is brilliant. And when you look at The Departed and watch it and it stands alone, it's a good film. But watching it when comparing it to the film that it was originally based on. That you've just watched like an hour before. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't help but feel that there are a few key elements that Scorsese sacrificed to to go down more of a shock and awe campaign with the with the violence, as you were saying. You know? And it does. I mean, Scorsese, he loves his violence. He loves his gangs. And I think he hadn't watched the film infernal affairs he knew it was based on one but he didn't watch it until after he'd made his film which i think is fair enough so the script is basically the script by um oh, yeah. william monaghan is basically what was based on the film whereas scorsese has just took the script and turned it into his own film which is interesting because when you're watching it there are scenes which you feel are almost scene for scene, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Well, every key scene hasn't really been changed at all, has it? All the pivotal plot points. Mm. What is different is the sort of the focus on the gang and Jack Nicholson's character, which is based on Whitey Bulger. Um, have you ever seen the film Black Mass? No. That's a good one. And it's basically all about this storyline. Jack Nicholson's character is based on that. Whitey Bulger was a gangster who basically became an FBI informant, but then was under protection. Him and his crew, they, no one could lay a finger on them. So they used their FBI protection to wipe out all the other gangs and become like the biggest gang. So basically the FBI helped play you know help them move up the ranks and run boston well that was a bit of a faux pas wasn't it <laughs> it's a great film it's johnny depp but yeah that's sort of where this bloke watched this film william monahan and he was he's a writer living in boston and he thought that story would completely make sense in boston yeah so he's took all his own experiences from the city wo woven it into this story 
So it's it's an interesting remake because it really has got its own spin, and I I don't think it loses anything for that. It gains, if anything. When I was when I was watching the film again, when I was watching um, because in, when you when you watch Infernal Affairs, I think one of the key things that you notice about Infernal Affairs is there's not really a huge amount of attention paid to either love interest of the either either of the two main characters no you know it's there and it's in it and it sort of humanizes them a little bit but it's not really and i have to say that with the one scene that i thought was quite painful and that might have been due to the subtitles and the translation was when the undercover cop is trying to convey his feelings to the psychiatrist the psychologist yeah yeah but when I was watching Scorsese's version back and I was I was asking myself, I was like, why why was it necessary to have uh both characters having the same love interest? Yeah. And then it suddenly dawned on me that if you didn't know the ending, it's a very good sort of um red herring, so to speak, that you, you convince yourself that possibly that's how they're gonna discover who the other one is. Yeah. It sort of leads you Ooh, off the uh, scent, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't believe her, her going out with DiCaprio just because he was so aggressive and so rude and like just f- frightening really to her. Yeah, and then goes, "Can we grab a coffee?" She's like, "All right," <laughs> and I just thought she you just give in to him and like, "Oh, go on and have your drugs." Go on in, we'll have the coffee. That particular scene isn't overly believable, is it? No. 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 And also, the undercover cop in Infernal Affairs, he plays it cool. You can see he's anguished, but he doesn't let an ounce of emotion slip when he's around the gang. Yeah. You know? And he plays that so well that he's... I mean, I think they're A-listers over in Hong Kong both of the, the two leading roles. So it's sort of like the DiCaprio Damon lineup over there. Right. But you believe that he's he's there just doing his job and just grinning and bearing it. You know, whereas DiCaprio he played it really sort of nervous. Always on the edge of like getting caught almost, you know, and I just think you're just making it look so you make yourself look so guilty. No one else in this gang is acting like you, and you're. And I don't believe that they'd trust him acting like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think he oversold it? Yeah, and I mean, I love. I think uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is a fantastic actor. Uh, he is brilliant, and he is good in this. He is great in this. But I just think the angle they've gone for it didn't work as well. It's like he's falling to uh, falling apart all the time, isn't it? You know. Yeah. I don't think they'd have put so much trust in him. He is, yeah. The, the more you say it, the more I think back, the more sort of it does sort of stand out. Like, um, he's very quite, he's quite jumpy, isn't he? Yeah. But, yeah, going back as well to the the psychiatrist role, there's the three roles of women, there's three women roles in the, the Hong Kong version, wasn't there? Yeah. There's the policeman's girlfriend, yeah. the triad, undercover as a policeman, girlfriend who was the writer yes and she was sort of writing a book about someone going undercover and was sort of 
just echoing the story, yeah, it, wasn't it? And it's that sort so, of part of the storyline that first made me suspect that maybe he had a bit more of a conscience than you're led to believe. You know? Yeah. And she's she was sort of speaking his conscience yeah. almost, wasn't yeah. she? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Does he know if he's a good guy or a bad guy? And then you're thinking, yeah, does he know? Um, then there was the mother, the undercover cop had a child with the other woman who just sort of, none of them are in it no. a lot, are they? And then there was the psychiatrist who he goes to see. And I think this woman in the, the Scorsese film sort of just encompassing all three of those roles. In a, in a yeah, which is but, amazing that if he's using time-saving techniques like that, how did the film end up being an hour longer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing is like he's they've created a few extra characters. Yes. No, yes. most notably the Mark Wahlberg character, but also sort of the SP character is a mixture of. Martin Sheen and Alec Baldwin. I gotta be honest, I love Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, I think he's brilliant. His, his character is just so off the cuff, yeah. isn't he? Uh, Wahlberg in this as well. You was you mentioned him the other week. Yeah, I love his and role. He he's memorable in this. He's so he? angry all the time. And the thing is, right, is uh, you know, for those people that don't know, we have careers in construction, don't we? We do. You know. And the sometimes ruthless, cutthroat, relentless <laughs> banter that goes side by side with what we do for a living, hand in hand, so to speak, uh, that's what Mark Wahlberg reminds me of. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, the new guy's turned up, so I'm just going to be really dry, deadpan, straight, but really harsh and blunt so he can't figure me out, yeah. you know? And that's what I see in Mark Wahlberg's character. But there is never that bit where he, he eases off and goes soft. He's just no, that just hard all the way through, isn't he? Yeah. Brilliant. And you just sort of see Martin Sheen as this gentle sort of grandfather type, isn't he? Yeah. In the same room as him all the time and just sort of like, <laughs> just laughing at him. You'll get used to him. <laughs> yeah, it's like... The t- They're just complete. Opposite. The, to- the good cop, bad cop. Total extreme of good cop, bad cop, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But they're interrogating him, interrogating like their own people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio hasn't gone in there as a criminal that they're trying to get stuff out. He's just gone in there because they want to put him undercover. And then here goes this, this tirade putting him down and putting his family down and yeah. insinuating that he's, he's done his, going to be a criminal. He's done his homework on it as well, hasn't he? Mark Wahlberg's yeah. like, like literally gone through this kid's file and it's like, right, where can I hit him where it's going to hurt from the moment I open my mouth? Yeah. No, it's a great scene, man. Yeah. I love that scene. Uh, but ultimately, I think the Mark Wahlberg character is there to sort of give us a a nice tied up ending, isn't it? Without- yeah, and it's a shame. It's a shame that they felt the need to tie it in a bow, yeah, like that. Yeah, but I think you built up so much anger and hatred towards the Matt Damon character that, that it was the only real satisfying way that the film was going to end. Yeah, they hadn't they hadn't left him indecisive enough for it to be a 
thoughtful ending, so to speak, had they? No. The the Hong Kong version, it's left as a... You're left thinking, oh, it's, has he got away with this then? You know, whereas you haven't got that sort of enigma at the end of The Departed. No. Something else that never really flagged up the first time we watched... Well, the first time I watched The Departed, but seemed sort of to... to not bug me, but just left me asking questions, is why why did they have to be trafficking military-grade microchips? Microprocessors, yeah. I think, you know, cocaine's just much more believable. It's much solid. Yeah, you know? unless maybe there was a case of that happening in Boston. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that was relevant, I suppose, at the but, time. Yeah, I thought the same. It's like... It could just be a drug thing. When, when you're watching um, Infernal Affairs and the police officer, the undercover police officer is uh, being pushed into testing the cocaine to see how clean it is before they purchase it off of the um, Taiwanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I, you know, that's a real solid, believable scene. You know what I mean? And it's just like that's exactly how we all grow up imagining a drug deal to go down. Yeah. I was about to say that's how we all know drug girls go, but I, I don't know how drug, <laughs> drug, drug girls do. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. it's like in a, that's another thing, isn't it? He's got to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. In order to stay undercover. But uh, Leo's character, you know, he is, and that's the thing. They make a real strong point of of telling Leonardo DiCaprio to stop dealing drugs. Yeah, but I think out of the um, two villains jack nicholson and that uh sam sam who is eric shang yeah he almost looks like a a, a, a children's tv entertainer yeah <laughs> chegwin keith chegwin <laughs> is, is who he reminded me of the whole time <laughs> so yeah a children's tv presenter but yeah. he was good in it they was all good and i think i really liked the um Oh, it's sort of like the uh, Martin Sheen character. Yeah. He's the boss of the inspector, isn't he? Yes, yeah. Um, SP, SP Wong. I thought he was really good as well. He was. Yeah, he had a real good, solid role. And he was. He never gave anything away. He, he always thought, does he know uh, that tense scene again where the, the, deal, the drug deal's going down? The undercover mafioso has been trying to get his message in there and then... Sort of SP Wong just comes and stands over him, looking at him for ages, and you're thinking, "Oh God, does he know?" Or not? you know, it's just you felt the threat for everyone in that film. You felt you didn't want that. Um, Yan is it Yan? The, no, Lao, isn't it? The bat, the undercover agent. Oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> Shall I start again? <laughs> Lao is the undercover. Uh... Mafia, mafioso triad, yeah. You, but you, you feel for both of them, don't you? You sort of like, you don't want either of them to get caught. But essentially, you want uh, the good guy to win, the undercover cop. But you feel on the edge of your seat for the inspector as well. It's really clever. Yeah. Whereas in in Scorsese's, I felt little to no empathy for Matt Damon's character at all. No. No. I just, you don't root for him at all, do you? you no. Nah, just, just, you're like, he's a cunt. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah. 
it was obviously meant to portray Matt Damon in that way. And uh, the key differences in the end of the two films shows that. I, th- I think the remake is very black and white. You know, it's handed to you on a plate all the way through how you're, how the director wants you to feel about each character and about each scene. Yeah. Whereas I think the the beautiful thing about Infernal Affairs is it does, it, it toys with your emotions a little bit more because I, I love it when, when I watch a film and it keeps swinging my, my feelings towards a character one way than the other. You know what I mean? You're like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad uh, guy? Yeah. And this right up until the end, you don't know if he is or not. And, you think, is he going to come good? You think, is he really seeing the error of his ways? Or is he just sort of out for his protection now? His own, He's created his own life and now he just wants that life back. I think when you watch the multi-story car park scene, you genuinely feel yeah. that there was anger behind the actions, you know? Whereas when you watch the equivalent scene in The Departed, you're like, this is definitely an arse-covering scene. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Definitely. Well, he's found out that he's like an FBI informer, so he's sort of like, "Well, you're a snitch anyway." So yeah, and then, then all he all he's concerned about is, "Do they know about me? Do they know about me?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. pretty much as soon as he finds out that they don't, then he just blows his head off. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler Did, alert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does um, what? Because nothing happened like that. He didn't find out. In Infernal Affairs, I was wondering if I missed something. No, I don't think Sam was set up to be an informant no. or anything like that. I didn't think he was, and then, but it's. Uh... Go on, mate, spit it out. Yeah, there's a few bits in The Departed where I was like, stuff was happening, and I was like, have I missed? Why is this happening? I can't see. It's basically a scene that's been lifted from one to the other, and then I'd be thinking. That- why are they doing that? Like where they're all filling out all their details. Yeah, sure. They, there wasn't like a trigger on the for envelope. it. But there wasn't a trigger for it and it wasn't set no, up. No, but it, it's explained it. in the scene. But then it gets mentioned it? afterwards. Yeah. Whereas you realise why it's all happening before it all happens in the other version. And then I, that's what kept foaming. It happened several times where all of a sudden they're in this scene. You're like, why is that happening? And then they explain it later. Covering their back, sort of, but not setting it up. It just seems strange to me that out of all the uh, Scorsese films over the years, that this one should be the one that earns him his uh, Best Director award. It's it's a great film, but is it better than Raging Bull? Is it better than Goodfellas? Like, Goodfellas sort of broke the mould of gangster films. If any film should have earned Scorsese a best director, it was Goodfellas. It told this epic, sprawling gangster, rise and fall gangster story, but it told it in such a way, it was just like, it was like a shot in the arm, wasn't it? You know, really fast paced. Whereas The Departed, it's like the scene where they go and they throw Martin Sheen off of the building and then they all turn up and they have the gunfight. Yeah. It felt like watching Robocop or something, you know? It didn't feel so much like a Scorsese film as an action film. It was, yeah. I don't really agree with the Oscars. You look back a lot of years and some really fantastic films have missed out 
to films that you don't even know the name of, you know, you've never heard of, and they've just sort of disappeared. Scorsese should have had it before. I don't know what one best film the year Goodfellas was out. Why don't you Google it? I'm just about to. Oh. Um, best picture the year that Goodfellas was nominated. Yeah. It was Goodfellas, Godfather Part 3, Dances with Wolves, The Awakenings, and Ghost. So, not a bad year, to be fair. Yeah. Which one do you think it was? Ghost. It was Dances with Wolves. Was it? Best Picture, yeah. That's a long one as well, isn't it? Best Director. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, Goodfellas. Stephen Frears, The Grifters. Barbette Schroeder, Reversal of Fortune. Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather Part 3. Or the director of Dances with Wolves. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Do you know who directed Dances with Wolves? I don't. Who then went on to win Best Director. Right. Kevin Costner. No way. He won Best Director over Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola. For di- Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's quite long-winded, isn't it, Dances with Wolves? I've only seen it the once. Um, it's, but yeah, it probably took you a week. <laughs> i got to admit, though, in um, in The Departed, I did love Jack Nicholson's um, portrayal. Oh, he, he was brilliant. And I think Jack Nicholson hadn't... He hadn't done a decent film or, like, a gritty role for a while, had he? They were more comedies, weren't they? He's begin, turning into a bit of a Bill Murray, wasn't he, with... The cantankerous old man roles. Yeah. Had he done... Was this before or after About Schmidt? I think it must have been after About Schmidt. I'm sure he'd just done As Good As It Gets and then About yeah. Schmidt. About Schmidt was quite funny. Yeah. All I can... Honestly, all I can remember about that is him cruising around in a camper van and his wife, before she passes away, not letting him have a pee standing up because he gets piss all around the toilet. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Just, and, and like one of the first key things that he sort of celebrates when his wife passes away is the fact that he can have a piss standing up without getting hassled yeah. about it again. About Schmidt is a really great film. Just every character he goes on to meet is just great. And I love the, the boyfriend of his daughter is a real idiot, isn't he? <laughs> isn't Kathy Bates is, 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 is his mother, isn't it? And she sort of tries it on with Jack Nicholson or does he try it on with her? Oh, I can't remember. Really awkward. Great film. I think we'll have to do that at some point. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'd definitely opt for that. Jack Nicholson in this is is absolutely brilliant. It's a, a great return to his, like... It's just a horrible, horrible man, isn't he? He's wild hair, he's greasy, he's perverted, and yeah, just not a very nice character at all. And you feel that threat... The whole time. Yeah. I love the scene where uh, Jack Nicholson's character sat there at the breakfast table and he's he's eating his breakfast and he's just got this unexplained hand in a plastic <laughs> bag. Yeah. And he's, he's just taking, take, taking a jewel. Yeah, it. just uh, just make sure that gets back to the wife, you know. And then Ray Winston's <laughs> like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a, was it so like you know? It's very kind of you to ask him which hand he wanks with first or something, wasn't it? It was just, <laughs> you know, it's just a 
brilliant scene like you know and those little details don't don't need explaining but it definitely casts the character very well doesn't it like you know and it's just like the the beginning scene where you see him shoot that couple and he's like <laughs> just laughing <laughs> she fell kind of funny <laughs> you know it just it just great yeah and i think he ad-libbed a lot of that just threw in things and just went with it you could see he was really having fun with it yeah but yeah, absolutely brilliant. Well, he was well deserving of the role, I think. Yeah. I don't think it would have been... I don't know if De Niro was lined up to play that role, but I think as good as De Niro is, that that's not a De Niro role, is it? No, no, that's uh, Jack Nicholson all day long. Yeah. The difference between Infernal Affairs and The Departed is when you're watching the De- Infernal Affairs, you're... It's edgy seat stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Where you, oh God, which way is it going to go? But with The Departed, it's more, I suppose it is tense as you don't know how it's going to go when you first watch it. But it's not so much attention as you, you're you willing things to happen, aren't you? You know? Yeah, I definitely had a very much more sort of chilled out Sunday afternoon feel about watching The Departed as I did to watching infernal affairs but infernal affairs because it's subtitled it really it has to have your full attention the whole time doesn't it yeah you know? yeah you take your the subtitles move really quick as well on that film you take your eye off the subtitles and look at the screen for a second and you've you've missed like two lines of dialogue and then you're like oh shit why what have i missed here <laughs> <laughs> that's the point which generally i look at it and go, ah, i'm sure it wasn't important yeah. but it's <laughs> It, it is important because the film is so concise. You do need to be um, on it with the whole film. But I think the other thing um, is because they're not famous Hollywood actors or you don't have a... Preconception. Yeah. It feels more natural and more real. Yeah. For that for that reason, not, you know what I mean? And I think... Relating them to the stars. Because basically as well... They are all stars in The Departed. Yeah. They were all famous at the time. Whereas you watch a, a, an earlier film, Goodfellas, De Niro and Joe Pesci were probably the most famous people in that, but they wasn't famous, famous. You could see them as the characters, whereas with The Departed, you they are all stars. Yeah, and it, the they? thing is, is when, when that happens, you are aware the whole time that this is a film. And you can't get away from it because you know that they're actors and because you know they've been in other films. But when you're watching uh, Infernal Affairs, it's got that very sort of real sort of feel about it. And I think the sort of cinematography as well adds to that, you know, not being so blockbuster, high-end sort of looking. There was a lot of sort of close shots of just thoughtful acting throughout Infernal Affairs where... There is a subtle focus on a face, whether it's the cop, whether it's the crook, whether it's the gang lord himself. They was all really good at, at all, and even the SP, you know, the, the superintendent, the, the boss of the police. They all were great facial actors, portraying so much with just a numb stare almost. You felt them thinking of things all the time. You could read their face and tell what they were thinking, which was great. Whereas you don't get that level of acting 
it's not necessary in the departed because it's just we're just taking you on a ride and we're going to throw all this action at you and you're just going to go with it yeah the, the scene where in infernal affairs the lad is always going on about oh look you can tell if someone's doing something they're not paying attention but they're watching us they're a cop yeah they're constantly questioning who is cops Whereas in the Scorsese version, it's the chap out of um, Shawshank Redemption, isn't it? One of the sisters. Yes, yeah. Saying, look, she didn't look at us. She must be a cop. And then when Leonardo DiCaprio leaves, and they go, are you a cop? And it's like, what, what? It didn't have the same effect. It wasn't Yeah, the whole scene is sort of unnecessary in The Departed. <laughs> yeah, it's very... I think it's good that they're trying to flush them out, aren't they? By giving them false information. Yeah. And seeing how it gets there, and they're both doing it on both sides. Did that? That didn't happen in Infernal Affairs, did it? Just trying to think. I think because I've watched all three, like all three of those films now, I've confused myself as to what I watched originally. But I thought that was a clever thing. But then also, then the chap who gets shot, the sister out of Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, he gets shot, and he's like, "I knew you, you know." whoever didn't turn up was a cop. Why didn't I kill you? And then he dies when Leonardo DiCaprio is about to kill him. And then it turns out he's a cop. And then they're like, oh, he's not really a cop. But I think you're led to believe that he is a cop, aren't you? Because that's why he didn't say anything to Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, because... Is that what he was just about to tell him? Yeah, because essentially he gave Leonardo DiCaprio the wrong address. And it's like how he's the only one that knows that he gave him the wrong address. Yet he still turned up at the right address. So... There's like literally, there's absolutely no other explanation for him not telling him unless he had a bit of a man crush. Yeah, he could have done. You know, but I don't really think that's what Scorsese was shooting for. The thing is with Scorsese films, even when they're long, they don't feel as long as some two hour films, you know? I mean, what was this? Two hours? Two and a half hours, I think. Two and a half hours, yeah. But it does, I've watched two hour films that. I'm willing to end long before I'm willing the departed to end. And the same with Casino, a three hours Casino, wasn't it? Christ. But I could watch it again and again and it just isn't, doesn't feel like three hours. It's just a great ride. Yeah. Scorsese is fantastic at directing a film and, well, Thelma Shoemaker's editing. He collaborates with her on every film and it just, they nail it. Just fly you for a story absolutely brilliant i think they are my favorite pairing director and editor there's not many editors i know the name of whereas her i mean from way back at raging ball just you watch that compared to other films you're watching at that time and it stands out you know yeah the fight scenes in that are just amazing between them they have put life into films a, a new fast pace and i mean goodfellas and the pace and the, the the rapid editing and the flashing back and just great but i must say i just i, I watched the irishman and i sort of kept not lo- well yeah i just i was distracted watching that i do need to watch it again but that felt possibly like a three-hour film if i'm honest i haven't watched it it was good. They've done the CGI to make them younger. Right. But 
the trouble is you can't CGI an elderly person when he's kicking someone in a street, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a scene where De Niro is supposed to be in his 30s and his face looks a bit younger, but he's beating up this bloke like an old man. You just think, well, he's you're filming it from across the street. Just use a younger actor. Yeah, and just yeah. CGI De Niro's face on or just film it from behind. Just didn't look very effective. And I mean, Joe Pesci now is so old that no amount of CGI makes him look young. <laughs> Even when they're young face him, he still looks really, really old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old is Joe Pesci now? Uh, I oh, don't know. It says really, really old. Oh, you was right. <laughs> well, Macaulay Culkin's 72 now. Yeah, that that figures, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I think I enjoyed watching both of these and I enjoyed watching them both sort of together and in comparison and getting different things out of each of them. And as much as they were the same film, they was both two different unique films, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I you know, if somebody said to me, um, you know, which should I watch, I I'd, I'd probably tell them that you'd be a fool if you was gonna pick one over the other. You know, watch both of them and appreciate them in that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you're not used to watching foreign films, don't let it put you off that you've got to read subtitles because you soon don't even realise you're reading the subtitles, do you? No, no, that's it. And the thing is, right, is this was my Saturday night. I'd had a long week and it was like, right, I didn't even know Infernal Affairs was a subtitled film until I put it on and I was just like, oh, subtitles, this is going to be effort. And you know what? Within 10 minutes, I was hook, line and sinker and I was drawn right into the film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it the whole way through, you know? I wouldn't have thought that our first Scorsese film was going to be The Departed. It just all sort of happened by accident this way. I knew we'd be delving into Scorsese. It probably won't be the last time we delve into a Scorsese film. But I think this is like podcast to do where we just discuss Scorsese rather than one film, just discuss his career, you know? It's... Yeah, he's done like three films, hasn't he? He's done more than three done four 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 films so nathan trevor i think we can wrap this up here with a nice tidy bow sweet all we need is mark Wahlberg to come rushing in at the end and put a slug between his eyes done done in a pair of paper shoes thank you ever so much for joining me nathan thank you trevor thank you for sitting through two movies this week again that's quite all right i enjoyed every minute of it wicked and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed every minute of it. Bye! Seeking! <laughs>